I'm going to start off with some background about Beth and these weekly online meetups that we do as everyone uh, keeps uh, joining in the next two minutes. Uh, BAF is a nonprofit that starts accredited blockchain courses at universities. We build projects, connect our students to opportunities in the space, and we're actually a DAO of students uh, that is governed by the leaders of our affiliated blockchain clubs. Uh, we organize these weekly online meetups for you guys to uh, connect to industry experts, uh, both technical and non-technical, and we essentially create educational programs that are designed to get you jobs. So if you're interested in learning more about BAF, check out our Twitter, uh, Twitter account. All the links are in the bio. And today's guest is Nader Debit, someone I look up to a lot, and I'm sure many of you do as well. He recently joined developer relations at Celestia, and he's building the first modular blockchain network. So very revolutionizing, uh, a very new concept that we're going to delve into step by step. Um, first, uh, I'd like to share my understanding of uh, Celestia and blockchain modularity. I really like the parallel that Nick White, CEO of Celestia, made in a podcast where he said that before Ethereum, uh, people were very excited about Bitcoin and decentralized applications. Then Ethereum came along and said, hey, we're going to build a general purpose blockchain on which you can build a decentralized application without having to build a new blockchain. Celestia is taking this one step further and allowing you to do the same thing, but for the execution environment. So basically with Celestia, you can build a new blockchain for all intents and purposes without actually building a new consensus network. Nidder, can you tell me if I got that right? And can you give us a better high-level overview of Celestia? Yeah, that's a, that's a great overview. I mean, it, it's a very honestly complex and nuanced topic, modular the modular approach, because there's a lot of different things that are happening. And, um, you know, we're going to cover as many as we can today, but I think it's also worth, if you're interested in this topic, you know, diving into some resources, which I will actually go ahead and share now to go ahead and get people started. So um, a good place to start would be the uh, link that I just shared here. It's kind of a short thread, but more importantly, the resources at the end of that thread are kind of some of the resources that I currently am actually studying myself to continue, um, you know, understanding how to communicate some of the stuff going on, as well as to even understand some of the, the more technical things that are happening there. Um, but but you gave a pretty good overview, and I think the best way to kind of just give an introduction to Celestia is that it is a what you would consider a layer one blockchain, but all it does is data availability and consensus, and it's pioneering this idea of modularity where instead of having all of the different layers coupled together in a monolithic blockchain, we can achieve better scale and better accessibility and more sovereignty by separating the different layers. And those layers are cons uh, consensus, data availability, execution, and settlement. And not only do you see Celestia having uh, pioneered this idea of moving forward with it, but um, you're also starting to see a lot of other blockchains realize that this is a more optimal strategy for scaling than almost anything else out there. And therefore you see even Ethereum going almost exactly down the same route that we're going with one small exception or one, maybe one major exception or you know, there's a small 
depending on how you look at it, difference between the strategy that Ethereum is following, but they're still now pivoting their entire roadmap to this modular approach. Polygon as well is building out something called a veil, which is um, really just essentially a fork or a copy of what we're doing. And um, I think that you're starting to see more and more people acknowledge this approach because uh, the, the general idea of where we want to be with Web3 is that we want to be able to handle, you know, um, global scale, meaning we can't be okay with hundreds of transactions per second being like the top level uh, scalability of what like these networks can, can handle. Instead, what we really want is to be at the same scale as traditional infrastructure. And DynamoDB, for example, is a database that you can run in AWS and you can spin up a single database and it can handle millions of transactions per second. And anyone can do that. Um, but here we are with our layer two rollups still um, getting bottlenecked at dozens of transactions per second. So the reason I thought that Celestia was extremely interesting is that I care deeply about accessibility and scale scalability and being able to kind of work with this team is kind of a dream come true. Oh, I bet. I, I'm very excited about this conversation because it's really about imagining a, fu a future of millions of blockchains because right now we kind of view these blockchains as their own separate islands but how do we prepare for that future of the open web and for a, a multiverse of blockchains essentially um so you're right this is a very new topic uh new concept uh let's how about we kind of start with fundamental definitions and mental models splitting the blockchain between execution and consensus Let's kind of take those apart separately. What's consensus versus execution and how do they currently operate uh, with the current state of Web3? Yes. So consensus is essentially just ordering the blocks of data in the proper order. And execution is actually taking the data and um, kind of like transacting or, or, or playing back the transactions to to come up with the current state of the blockchain. So when you think about um, Ethereum, it does all these things together and therefore you're kind of just interacting with that single network. But with uh, Celestia, we don't actually care about the current state of the network that you're building itself. So like, let's say you, you wanted to deploy a rollup to Celestia, like Optimism, for example, we wouldn't necessarily say, okay, this is the current state of, of this rollup that is Optimism on top of Celestia. Instead, we would just provide the data availability and the rollup itself would then actually uh, come up with the current state of that network itself. Got it. So how do participants in the Celestia network agree on the order of transactions? Um, the ordering of the transactions is done you know, just like I would say uh, any any decentralized like blockchain network where you have different nodes that are uh, all running and are, you know, we have our traditional, you could say, um, proof of stake, you know, uh, network. I believe that um, we are using something called Tendermint, which is something that was forked from the Cosmos community. And um, if you want to run... Um, a, a node in the network. We actually have some really easy to follow documentation. In fact, I literally just got off of 
a recording just now where I recorded a video and it takes about four minutes to spin up um, a light node and then you can participate in the network and, and be someone that's kind of helping to secure the network. And one of the major differences, I think, between, um, and this is not just, I think this is kind of one of the major innovations, I think, uh, that I would say about it, Celestia, is that we have, or, or they have come up with a new way for creating uh, light clients that provide almost the same security guarantees of a full node. And that's kind of like the core innovation that really made all this stuff possible, um, which allows for the network to scale along with linearly uh, as far as like the number of users that, that come online and the number of transactions per second go up. We can also scale the decentralization by having um, a lot more people participate in the network for providing um, this verification of the data when in the past it would have required people to be running a lot of like um, expensive types of hardware, uh, which would have traditionally been like a full node. But people can now actually run these light nodes um, on hardware as you know lightweight as a mobile phone, for example. Got it. That is really cool. Uh, the original paper that inspired Celestia is called uh, Lazy Ledger. So Celestia is a lazy blockchain. It does less. Uh, it does not even look at the uh, transaction data that people are dumping into it, from what I understood. It just merkleizes it and has a special scheme of building this block that enables something called data availability sampling. And that makes it more scalable, from what I understood. Can you give us more details there? Yeah, so data availability sampling is, again, yeah, that's kind of like the core innovation of what Celestia is. And the way that I can kind of describe it, I guess, is that if you want to create a full node and you want to have full security guarantees and the layer one traditional, like layer one space, you would download and execute all of the transactions and then you would come up with the current state of the chain and then, therefore, you would have uh, a security guarantee that you are dealing with the, the right, the right information. Um, light clients, on the other hand, they only instead of running all these transactions, they only um, take the block headers and then they assume that those block headers are, are truthful. But there isn't a, a, the same security guarantee of a full node. What data availability sampling uh, allows these light clients to do is instead of making them uh, essentially download and execute all of these data to come up with the state, um, there is like an attack that prevented this from happening before called a data withholding attack. And the way that I can try to describe it is something like if you are a light client and you're getting these block headers, um, someone can submit a header that has um, information that isn't true and the reason that you can't verify that information isn't true is because they do something called a data withholding attack, meaning they uh, don't actually submit all of the, the data to the network. Um, but the only way for a light client to prove that that's true would be to essentially you know, download all this information and kind of come up with the current state. Data availability sampling uses something called erasure coding that 
um, allows the client to download just a very small subset of that data. Um, and then with the other nodes in the network doing the same thing, they together come up with um, the consensus that all of that data is indeed been published to the network without a lot of actual work. So I believe, you know, with uh, one sampling, you have 50% um, your, yeah, 50% Insurity, I guess, of the of the data being published. When you sample two times, you have seventy five percent. So, with just a handful of samples, you have over ninety nine point, I think nine 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 percent, some like really really high number. So that's kind of how um, data availability sampling uh, like works, and how it enables these light clients to achieve the same, almost the same security guarantees as a as a full node. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And you said that. Other players in the space right now are pivoting towards modularity. Uh, basically, in a monolithic blockchain, there's only one state transition function that you can implement. You're either stuck with the Bitcoin blockchain where you can't run the EVM on the Bitcoin blockchain, or you're stuck in Ethereum where you can only interact with the EVM. So how does modularity look like right now in Ethereum? And does it allow other forms of execution? Uh, why would people who really believe in Ethereum and they see that Ethereum is moving towards modularity, why would they be more excited about Celestia? Yeah, that's a really good point, a good, good question, and also a good um, uh, thing for me to kind of just roll back on and, and touch on what you just kind of mentioned before the question itself was like the evolution of blockchains. And I think that um, it's a good way to conceptualize and visualize like what's going on here so with the traditional like tech tech stack or tech world we had the evolution from like people running their own servers in their home and then you know that was kind of a heavy lift a lot of people were unable to actually you know build applications obviously because you had to be very technical and um we saw like in the late 90s and early 2000s this idea of shared hosting became extremely popular where you could uh, deploy a WordPress site or, or do something like in a cPanel and you could share a hosting service with other people and you could easily deploy an application, but you were you were you didn't have really con full control over the environment. You were just using the environment that was given to you. And then uh, you, you didn't really, you, there was a lot of uh, negative trade-offs there. And then with cloud computing and virtual machines um, in the mid 2000s, I guess, that became extremely popular. You were then able to have full control over your entire environment. You could, you know, deploy a database. You could change the operating system. You could do whatever you want. You can literally just create a completely fresh, um, you know, area for you to start building. And I think we're seeing the same evolution in blockchains. When we had uh, Bitcoin was the first one, and if you wanted to deploy another blockchain, another application, you couldn't really just obviously use the Bitcoin network because all it did was one thing. You could fork the code base maybe and make a small modification. Then you would have to bootstrap an entire network. Um, and people didn't even understand or know the idea that you could build something like the EVM until um, Ethereum was launched. Um, so instead of having application-specific blockchains, which before Ethereum were mainly for cryptocurrencies, you know, you had Litecoin and, and all these other ones. The EVM allowed everyone in the world to kind of share this one execution environment, kind of like shared hosting. So you could upload an application um, and you can other people can interact with it, but we're all, at, that, at this point, we're all still sharing a single 
uh, machine, which uh, not only proved itself not to be scalable, but also you are losing sovereignty. And when you think about kind of bl what blockchains are, they're a way for um, communities and people to coordinate, you know, they're kind of like social coordination mechanisms. And if you have to share the underlying, what you would kind of like consider the settlement layer with everyone else, what you see happening is like, you don't have full control over what happens because the Ethereum community is kind of deciding where the blockchain goes. So like what we, a few examples of this would be, we have these massive DeFi protocols all running on Ethereum, right? Or we did for a while. You saw hacks of like hundreds of millions of dollars. If you were running your own blockchain, you could easily just fork and re regain that money for the entire network. And you would easily achieve social consensus with everyone within that network. But it's impossible to, to convince the entire Ethereum community to fork the, you know, the entire chain, even for $500 million or something like that, because it's so widely used you're kind of like now you know bound to to everyone else that's using it so what you saw last couple of weeks ago was one of the first um examples of a massive probably the the biggest if not one if, if not the biggest one of the biggest DeFi protocols dydx pivoting away from the ethereum ecosystem into this more app chain specific world where they're deploying their own app chain on cosmos which is a similar approach to what um, sovereign rollups will look like on uh, Celestia because they now have full control over their network. Not only are they able to launch their own application, but they're launching their own blockchain. And in addition to having you know full control over the, the network and being able to fork if anything happens, they also have more value accrual going to their own token because when you're interacting on the Ethereum network, all of that value accrual is happening to the Ethereum, you know, token. But I think when, you know, one of the things that people are considering, if you have a, a massive protocol that that many people are interacting with, um, it's more valuable for your own token if you have your own blockchain. Um, now, this is an extremely somewhat, I would say, hard thing to do right now. Um, and, and, and Cosmos hasn't actually, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, DYDX hasn't actually like achieved that yet. They've just announced that that's kind of the direction that they're going. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that as it becomes easier. Um, so, yeah, that's just kind of like an overview of kind of what the, the way I see everything headed. Now, you had another question about why would someone choose Celestia over Ethereum? Um, yeah, I think we're still going to I think we're still going to see what happens with that, because like this idea of, of mo blockchain modularity is still early. Cosm I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Celestia doesn't even have our own mainnet public publicly available yet. We're still on testnet. Um, Ethereum really just completely pivoted their roadmap in the last few months to go in this direction. So you know how long it takes Ethereum. Um, they still haven't even merged proof of stake yet. That, that's been something that's been talked about for years. So we're merging proof of stake, I guess. They're merging that in the next few months. Uh, if, if, there, there was a, um, a good talk from Dankrad. I forgot his last name, but he was, I think, the main one that was kind of like pushing forward with how the implementation of modularity would look on Ethereum. He spoke about it at ETH Prague. There was also a podcast episode a couple of days ago with uh, Dankrad, as well as one of the uh, founders of Celestia, talking about the separate approaches between Ethereum and um, Celestia. So I think 
the the, the main differences between uh, the Ethereum approach and the Celestia approach is this idea of sovereignty. So when you are using Ethereum, even if Ethereum kind of moves in this into this direction, and they are implementing data availability sampling as well, you are bound to the settlement layer of Ethereum. Uh, so, you, you know, Ethereum has this entrenched settlement layer that everyone shares. Um, whereas, again, with Celestia, there is no settlement layer. You can deploy your own settlement layer. You can use a settlement layer if someone else is deployed, or you can just... Um, deploy a completely you know sovereign rollup that has its own you know settlement layer built in and um that's one difference another difference i think is 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 we might see scalability um still be a challenge if you are using um, ethereum because you still have to allow transactions to be happening you know on ethereum so like if the block uh, price is still if, it, if it's still expensive to transact then even posting these like layer two call data um, might be more expensive in some way uh, we don't really know yet i guess so um and, and then i also think that you know we you might see teams like celestia and also polygon avail is building almost the exact same thing moving a little faster than ethereum so maybe the go to market will be faster and uh, therefore, like adoption will, will spike up. And I also don't think it's kind of like going to be a zero sum game. Um, I think that you're going to see, you know, a lot of, uh, of people building in this way going forward now that, um, you know, Ethereum, Polygon, Celestia and a few others are headed this way as well. Yeah, uh, it's very clear that innovation is kind of held back because of the monolithic paradigm. Uh, like if I want to experiment with a new execution environment, I have to build an entirely different blockchain. And that's huge bootstrapping cost uh, that prevents people from experimenting. And what Celestia is building is definitely not easy. Uh, and I guess it's good that many people are trying to work towards this multi-chain universe uh, but I guess now is a good time to uh, talk about rollups. Uh, so in a monolithic chain, whenever transactions or a new block is mined, they're made sure that they're valid first and foremost by the validators. In Celestia's eyes, anyone can submit a transaction. It doesn't even have to be valid. It's all just data. This leads me to a question. Who enforces the execution and the validity of the state transitions that happen in Celestia. And, uh, if you, before you explain that, if you could kind of give a, uh, a, an explanation of what rollups are, the different types, and then where they come into uh, Celestia. Yeah, I mean, rollups could be thought of as modular, a piece of a modular stack already. And, and, and it kind of is kind of like the, the birth of the, the modular stack. In fact, the person that kind of invented optimistic rollups is John Adler, who's the founder of, uh, of Celestia, who went and founded uh, you know Celestia after afterwards. But I guess you could define rollup as a type of blockchain that kind of specializes in execution, and um, it offloads the settlement, the consensus, and the data availability, data availability to like a separate layer. So instead of trying to kind of do everything, it kind of only does execution, and then it posts these um you know i guess proofs um and and into another uh chain that you know receives it as call data and it doesn't really do anything else 
Right. And then what was the other question? Um, just how do rollups come into Celestia, and how are they different from other ecosystems? Yeah. So with Celestia rollups for first-class citizens, we we kind of um, I think that all blockchains in the future are going to be what would you could consider rollups. So instead of this idea of like a, a normal just blockchain just taking single transactions and then processing them, the the rollups will be you know what people will be building on, and um, a rollup being a first class citizen means that like you not only think of like someone deploying a blockchain as a rollup, you might even start considering deploying an app chain as a rollup or an application as a rollup like DYDX is doing. So if you can if you can just as easily spin up your own blockchain, uh, deploy it as you could a application or you know today to the EVM, um, you are giving your users, you know, uh, a more, I think, scalable platform to, 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 to transact on because even, you know, with where we're seeing, you know, the scalability improvements happening, um, I, I guess it would make, you know, in my opinion, a lot more sense if you could possibly just say, okay, I'm going to have uh, 10 million users and we're not going to have to share execution with everyone else in the entire world, only our users are going to be using our blockchain. Um, and therefore, I think that you're going to see the ability for for the entire world to kind of like scale the future of, of Web3, you know, following this approach. I think the main challenge, though, is cross-chain interoperability when you kind of go this route, because everyone, if everyone's deploying their own chain, how might you interact between uh, chains? Um, you know, depending on the type of application that you're building, that might not even be something that you worry about, right? But like, let's say a DeFi protocol or something like that, where you might want to kind of like transact tokens across, you know, different uh, applications. That's kind of where that uh, where that would come into consideration. And I think that that's going to be, you know, something that we see innovated as these modular blockchain environments start going into production, which will probably be something like the quarter, first quarter of 2023. So when we're talking interoperability, is that where the settlement layer comes in or is it something different? Yeah, I think that you could consider there, there's, there's a handful of different uh, ways that interop would uh, be considered. Let me go ahead and pull up a post because I think, well, actually, yeah, let me share something in this space. That kind of really goes into all this. So we had from our team, the founder and the, the author of that Lazy, Lazy Ledger paper, um, Mustafa, he wrote a blog post called Rollups is Sovereign Change, is Sovereign Chains. And in that, he uh, went over, let's see here. A handful of different cross-chain communication um, methods that 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 are very nuanced, you know, and and also fairly technical. So I would say instead of like going into this conversation, which is something that I don't have probably the best ability to discuss, I would check out this blog post, and which is something I'm currently still like reading and grokking myself. Oh yeah, I bet. I mean, I'm still barely grasping all of these complicated uh concepts so uh 
even getting a high level idea of kind of these different components of modularity uh, is actually pretty damn helpful as we uh, embrace this new concept. Uh, so could you tell us more on the settlement layer? From my understanding, it's a coordination mechanism between different rollups. Uh, but if not, no worries, we could move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, um, like I mentioned before, you know, the, the core the core pieces are um, going to be uh, consensus, data availability, settlement, and execution. Um, and all that Celestia does is the data availability and the uh, consensus. So the two options I think that you're going to see people, well, well, I would say the, the, the way that, that people are going to kind of like mix up these different layers going forward in the future once all this stuff is more production ready and, and more mainstream is that you will have um, shared consensus, I'm sorry, sh sh shared settlement layers where if I want to deploy my own app chain, um, I can leverage someone else's uh, settlement layer and then just deploy my, my own chain there. Now, this is kind of uh, more along the lines of what Ethereum is doing because Ethereum does have, you know, a settlement layer that's kind of like built in. And um, therefore, you have less sovereignty because like you don't really have full control over that settlement layer, meaning that if, if they choose to, to make a change or, or a hard fork, you kind of have to follow along with, with what's going on there. Um, whereas if you kind of deploy your own settlement layer, you have full control over everything that's going forward. Right. So to recap, th there's different resources that need to be consumed to build a decentralized application. One of them is execution. Another one is block space, which is when someone needs data and block space. The resource that Celestia is selling is data availability as a service. The rollups, they're their own thing, which is all about execution. Now, moving on to a question that is probably more exciting to people here. Celestia is a proof of stake network. Is there a token and when airdrop? <laughs> um, yeah, there's going to be a token, but there isn't a token uh, quite yet. So it'll probably come and towards the end of the year or something like that. Um, I can't really speak to any airdrop, but it is something that's being considered. Um, but but kind of to, to just recap the different layers, I think just to kind of give a, a almost like an elevator type of pitch, uh, execution processes the transactions, consensus orders the transactions, data availability ensures that the data is, is available, and settlement does kind of like dispute resolution and bridging. Got it. Got it. That's very clear. So, um, sorry, I had to ask about the token, even though I already knew your answer. <laughs> but, okay. So, uh, how is the, the token model different than Ethereum, especially in terms of gas fees do they go up if celestia grows how does it work yeah it's so the the general idea is that we you know are, are hoping and aiming for a lot more consistent transaction costs um and that's kind of you know i think that we're going to see a lot lower and a lot more consistent pricing at scale with celestia than than we've seen with basically probably any other truly decentralized network that's that exists today and that's kind of the whole like the whole idea and the whole point it's hard to predict like the exact transaction costs and, and there's probably 
some variables that really um, are going to say like it depends. But I mean, the, one of the reasons I'm I'm here is because of the promise of this low transaction costs at scale, but also consistent transaction costs. Because the problem that we've seen with uh, rollups on Ethereum, uh, as they exist today at least, is that like even you know with the more the promise of more throughput, um, what we saw like with the Yuga Labs, which is like the Board Ape Yacht Club, they did this like land sale. And this was kind of like a really um, a big event, in my opinion, uh, to kind of show that w- what we were doing just wasn't working. Um, the, the layer twos that were supposed to be, you know, really inexpensive became like tens of dollars per transaction. Um, and, and in my opinion, like anything in, uh, more than like a couple of cents per transaction is too expensive. And ideally, we want to be less than one tr- one cent per transaction. And it cannot be variable it needs to be consistent because if you build out an application like uh what are the the true things that excite me like lens protocol these social networks where you're kind of like doing dozens of transactions maybe per day um that's not accessible to people all around the world if it costs even a dollar or 50 cents in fact they should be so cheap that the network can subsidize them as you see with like gasless transactions on um, Lens Protocol. So yeah, that was a really, you know, big event in my opinion when we saw that happen and, and it kind of exposed the fact that like the current approach isn't working. And I know that Ethereum is moving in, in this direction as well, so that's great. But um, yeah, it's just not, um, yeah, it's just not viable to kind of, to, to expect that people are going to be okay with that, you know? Yeah, that makes total sense. And does more node sampling mean safely increasing the block size in Celestia? Yeah, exactly. I think that's 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 one of the, the big um, innovations is that data availability sampling allows larger block size, uh, therefore higher throughput um, to happen as the as the number of transaction grows, um, as the number of um, users are on the network, the ability to have um, more nodes, light uh, light nodes or light clients right. running uh, enables that. And I think like the way the best way to describe it is that in the in the traditional tech space, we think of scalability as like the throughput or the number of transactions per second. I mentioned something like DynamoDB that can handle millions of transactions per second. Uh, the only real difference in like Web3 or in, in blockchains is that you also have to take into consideration the people in the network that are validating that that data is, is actually um, precise or verifying the data. And the way that you do that is either with like full nodes or light clients or light nodes. Uh, with Ethereum, again, like in order to run a full node, you download and execute all the transactions to come up with the current state, light nodes use uh, just the block headers and make assumptions that don't give you the full security guarantees. The uh, the data availability sampling um, technique that was, you know, one of the, you know, the big ideas that, that enables all this essentially allows light clients that can run on a very lightweight machine to achieve almost the exact same security guarantees as a um, full node. Yeah, that sounds crazy to me because you're 
basically democratizing uh, people's ability to run full nodes. Uh, and I'm going to leak some BAF alpha here. We're currently designing a validator program to help engage student clubs and support them with hardware and mentorship to run validators. Uh, so if you're on this call and you're part of a blockchain club or interested in contributing to this BAF project, uh, my DMs are open. Uh, and if Celestia and other ecosystem players present here are interested in engaging in BAF's university uh partners to run validators and decentralize your network, uh, our validator program is uh, for you. But it's really, really a game changer that you're helping people run uh, nodes on their phones. Uh, so that's very exciting. But with all of these ambitious things that you're working on, uh, there has to be uh, some limits of scaling. But I will leave that to the end. Uh, there's a question from uh, someone in the audience about Validium's uh, in Ethereum versus Celestiums and Celestia. What are the similarities and the differences there? So Celestiums are something that we've been building to specifically uh, allow developers that want to still use um, Ethereum as the settlement layer to kind of still be able to build on Ethereum. And the, the main thing, I guess you could say, that Celestiums do are... They allow you to deploy, you know, um, your chain using Celestia as the data availability and uh, consensus network and using Ethereum as the settlement layer. Um, and that's kind of it. So, like, you can, instead of, like, choosing a different settlement layer, you can easily just use Ethereum as a settlement layer. And um, it's just a way for developers to kind of build in that in that direction. So Got you can it. kind of, like, decide on your own execution environment. You could literally... Built, you could literally fork and, and deploy Optimism. You could uh, deploy C-Level from uh, from Solana, Fuel, um, anything you want. You could toy around with your own EVM and then deploy it using Ethereum as a settlement layer. Yeah, that really frees developers and allows more flexibility for sure. Um, another question that I got uh, from someone on Discord is about the concept of shared security in Celestia. How is that superior to existing solutions, someone is asking? Yeah, I mean, um, with it's actually a pretty, pretty powerful thing that you can deploy and bootstrap a completely new blockchain network without having to bootstrap an entire validator uh, set to secure that network. Instead, you're sharing the security of the underlying data availability and, con, uh, and, and consensus, consensus layer. So you have shared security in, this, in the same sense that you would if you were using something like Ethereum. Um, but you have, I, I would say, maybe like a lot more control if you're building in this modular, with this, in this modular way, if you're taking the route of deploying your own, your own chain. There's also going to be developers that will just treat Celestia rollups like they would any other rollup. And, and, and what you're going to see is like C-Level, Fuel, Optimism, maybe even Arbitrum or these other chains, people that are already starting to work on integrations on Celestia where they're going to build um, and deploy those, those um, chains on Celestia. And then you can actually write your smart contracts to them as opposed to Optimism. And I guess in the hopes of 
uh, this implementation being more scalable than the um, existing implementations. So you wouldn't really have to like learn or do anything different. You just change your RPC endpoint and boom, everything is ready to go. Got it. Cool. Um, I'd like to open it up to the audience a little bit. Uh, if anyone has any questions, just raise your hand or request to speak and me and Alexis will grant you access. Just added you to the stage. Uh, let's see what Degrees has Hello. to Hello. Thanks, say. everybody, for the info. Um, my question was around, like, side chains. How does, like, a side chain use case contrast to, like, a dedicated blockchain or and fit into this broader conversation around, like, blockchain modularity? Obviously, there's trade-offs in security. Is it really just kind of about owning, like, the settlement layer itself? And, like, is it really about performance, basically? Or... Um, and then, like, we, contrasting, like, when you've seen, like, um, use cases like the the Ronin network or, like, with Axie Infinity and how they kind of did that, I know there was some vulnerabilities, but, like, how does that fit into this conversation around blockchain modularity was my question, because I feel like there's a lot of overlapping functionality if we're talking EVM settlement layers. Yeah, would you consider, I guess, Polygon's, the main network that you consider Polygon, like, a uh, sidechain? And comparing that to something that you might deploy. Well, I on, think uh, wouldn't the polygon be different than a sidechain, where like this is a layer two versus like a sidechain itself, having um, the security aspect and control of the the sidechain itself. Um, I think that was like the core difference between like a polygon and a dedicated sidechain. I, I could be wrong though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's the it's the definition of a sidechain uh, versus the definition of what like polygon is claiming uh, what they're doing as. I think they tried to frame it as like a layer two, but um, obviously a lot of people push back on that and they called it a side chain. I think, yeah, there's just like a nuanced discussion or description around what that means. But, um, but there are similarities, I guess you could say. I think the main difference would be that, uh, again, you don't have to actually worry about bootstrapping um, uh, a network or anything like that when you're building uh, on Celestia you can have like the type of decentralization that you would have with a network like Ethereum. And um, that would be kind of like the main, the main um, selling point, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, you know, in addition, obviously to like the, the promises, the, the promises of scalability that you would get as well. And my last question, great. Thank you. Uh, my last question was like on the settlement layer, not by having that, let's say, happening on Ethereum, isn't that more of a feature than a bug because you have this community that's sort of pushing an upgrade? And then if you are in control of your settlement layer with your own chain, now all of a sudden either your community or your kind of bandwidth has to be pushed on pushing that as an upgrade over time? Or do you feel like that's like more of a feature than a bug from your perspective? Using Ethereum as a settlement layer? Yeah, like if you weren't going to use Ethereum as a settlement layer versus if you were... Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the answer is like often it depends, you know. I think if that you want to have, if you if you are a DYDX, if you are a billion dollar protocol and you want to have that protection, um, you wouldn't probably use Ethereum as a settlement layer because you're then enshrined to to you know that settlement layer and you you have less control. Um, but like you know, if you did want to do a fork or something like that and, and and regain some state, you could probably easily gain community consensus from within DYDX, but getting that from the entire community would be a, be a lot tougher. But let's say that you're, it's not that serious. You're just, you know, building something and you don't really care about having that full control. Then you might choose Ethereum as a settlement layer just because 
you do care about being part of that community or something like that. But right. I think it's more about this, the ideas around social consensus than anything as opposed to like a technical reason. Cool. Thanks. Uh, Usman, do you want to go up next? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks everyone for allowing me to speak. Um, I guess my question was more centered around the security aspect of having a modular blockchain. Um, I love the idea of giving developers the ability to take full control of what they're building on chain. But when you put these execution layers off chain, does that in turn cause negative um, throughput for security or does that in any way render it a little bit um, like as a disadvantage versus other chains? I can't really think of any reason that you would be giving up any security. Um, in fact, I think that you would be, again, having um, the ability to have shared security between what will ultimately probably be a, a pretty massive uh, network of, uh, of nodes. And um, therefore, it would probably be a, a net positive. I'm trying to think like, you know, um, obviously, if you deploy some type of uh, chain that you built yourself and you had some vulnerabilities there, then that would be, you know, something to, to take into consideration. But if you are speaking to the um, security that the Celestia network itself provides, I would say that it's probably nothing that I would uh, think is, is any, I can't really think of any, any downsides as far as security is concerned. Okay, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the last question I had was just regarding other layer ones that have had taken their own approach to the scalability issue that we've seen, um, you know, chains like Avalanche that are implementing things like subnets or Polygon, which have kind of doing the supernet aspect of that. Uh, what do you think about chains that are doing that and trying to tackle scalability in that regard versus uh, in the modular way? Um, I think that the only, you know, approach that I think is the way that we're building and also I think like the future and the ultimate solution or, or a solution to the trial, the blockchain trial Emma is actually completely separating the, all these different layers. Because again, if you have a monolithic approach, you have built in, you know, not only the data availability and the consensus, but you also again have the, the settlement and the execution. And at some point, you're going to have people innovating in all these different layers. And if you've kind of made a decision at some point to say, okay, this is the way we're, we're doing things, we're going to stick to this, then you are kind of um, limiting, I think, like the future of, of what where your development is. So I think that um, Polygon actually is moving in this in this direction with Polygon Avail, which is something that they, they've started building, which is essentially the same thing as what <laughs> Celestia is and the same thing that uh, Ethereum is, is doing with their data availability sampling as well. Um, and I think like, I think it's, it's, it's become a fairly accepted narrative um, with a lot of people that building in the monolithic like design um, might scale to a certain extent, but if we want to actually, you know, reach where we would want to be in, in a few years with web three, with the type of scalability that we see on something like AWS, 
that having um, the separation of concerns, the decoupling of all these different layers is kind of the, the right approach. And that's also the, the, the approach that I believe in and why I'm kind of like at, at Celestia. Um, sorry, I just thought of a new question as you were, as you were talking. Um, so do you think decoupling those layers would, you know, uh, hurt the decentralization aspect of it in any way, or uh, would that still remain intact? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, again, the, the security, I believe, uh, comes from the consensus of the data availability. And when you have a large network that is all kind of like sharing that, um, you're not losing anything if you're offloading the execution or the settlement to a, to a different layer, because I believe, uh, and, and it's also the belief of like the founders. And even, you know, if you hear some of the discussions with Dankrad um, around the future of Ethereum, is like that, that security actually comes from that base consensus and data availability layer. Okay, definitely. Uh, thank you so much for the responses. Thank you guys for your questions. Anyone else um, wants to ask a question? Just put on an emoji and try to unmute yourself and we'll put you on stage. In the meantime, are there any other uh, components or aspects of Celestia that we did not touch on, Nader? Um, I think just kind of talking about the roadmap and, and things like that, I could just touch on. So for right now, the only thing that you can uh, work with on Celestia is the test network. It's called Mamaki Test Network. And um, it is simply the data availability and the consensus layer. Again, you can submit transactions, you can read transactions, but you can't really build anything with it at the moment. Um, we are rolling out some more developer facing, I would say, rollups in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to be kind of like one of the first people to kind of build and get involved with the ecosystem and the community um, and, you know, be part of the, the, the early, I guess, community of what we're working on, you'll, you'll see some opportunities to do that in the next few weeks. We're, we're focusing on um, a couple of different uh, projects that we'll be launching and announcing, you know, over the course of the next few months. We're going to be launching an incentivized test network. Um, and then we're going to be launching our main network uh, probably at the beginning of next year or at the end of this year or something like that. So um, also Ethereum, while they are also moving in this direction, haven't really launched anything yet either. So all, all this stuff is like really early and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how quickly Ethereum does the um, proof of stake merge, how they get they get that done and then how quickly they move on to implementing this modular approach. Um, and yeah, it's just something that's still fairly early. So these ideas are, are mainly just that at this moment, like they're, they're ideas and we haven't actually seen them in practice. So it's, you know, it's still fairly early. <laughs> cool. You're, you're leaking early alpha. Uh, thanks for the clear call to action for our listeners. Um, we'll also share, uh, some resources and, uh, the materials that Nader shared in the space on our newsletter for people who didn't listen to the whole thing. And uh, with that, I'd like to recap by saying uh, we're really entering an era of modularism, not maximalism. Each blockchain should not be its own island. And 
we really want to see a future with millions of blockchain and building that is not going to be easy. There's going to be some setbacks that the Celestia team will face, but they seem to be ambitious and have the talent and uh, the expertise to experiment with the stuff. So um, imagine a future where you can deploy a blockchain as easy as it is to deploy a smart contract. We're basically thinking about building the same amount of proliferation of chains as there are smart contracts and applications on Ethereum. Uh, but super curious to see the rest of your journey. And thank you, Nidr, for joining us today. And uh, happy to answer any questions on the BAF Discord if you guys still want to discuss this more. Uh, and with that, I want to say uh, thank you to our donors who help make uh, BAF happen. We're funded by Ethereum Foundation. Uh, Solana Foundation, Protocol Labs, NIR, uh, and uh, a couple other individual donors. If you're interested in funding BAF, my DMs are open. We're heads down fundraising. And uh, again, really a pleasure having you, Nader, at the slate uh, of time. I didn't know about your time zone, but really appreciate all the knowledge. And uh, with that, I'm going to end it here. Any final note, uh, notes, Nader? No, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, I've, I'm still fairly new at Celestia. I've been there for about four or five weeks. And I myself am still like diving in and, and learning, you know, all of all of this stuff. It's very nuanced. It's very complex, especially for um, someone like me who's, you know, only been in the space for a little over a year. And um, I'm really excited though, to be working with, kind of like with these founders. I resonate a lot with their backgrounds and their vision. And I think like our focus, like you mentioned, not maximalism, but my, I think just not maximalism is like the thing that really interests me because I don't think that any of us care. Like if what we're doing succeeds, I think that we know that the work that we're doing is helping push the space forward. So if Ethereum or if someone else or, or if we or anyone succeeds in kind of like making Web3 and these public uh, infrastructure and, and, and data that is kind of like a core concept of like uh, of Web3, as long as this becomes accessible and um, people around the world are, are able to kind of interact and, and we're able to onboard like the next you know, tens or hundreds of millions of users, uh, it doesn't matter like who did it. It's, it's the fact that we kind of got there. And that's kind of what I really enjoy about being on this team. We are in it for, I think, the right reasons. And um, I just I, I enjoy that that mindset and that approach. 100%. Love the team and love the vision of the open web. Uh, and uh, with that, thank you guys so much for joining us today and have a wonderful rest of your night. See you next week on our weekly Bath Twitter Spaces. Thank you.